Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. everyone, welcome to another episode of Success Stories in Private Practice. Today I'm joined by Kadisha Bonsu, a licensed clinical social worker, currently in the U.S., will not always be in the U.S. because she's moving soon. She's been in private practice in this past year, and she wants to share her story about sticking with it, when to know if it's your time to take a leap and do practice, and when to know if you should throw in the towel or stick with it. So we're going to explore what success means to her. And we hope that this story will also help you reflect on your own success and what it looks like for you. Let's get started. Hey, Kadisha, welcome. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Well, you might be a little jet lagged. You want to share with everyone why? (laughs) I just came back from Ghana, um, where I was working on getting licensed over there and planning for my family's eventual transition there and being able to operate my practice from abroad. Right. Couldn't do that if you were employed here, right? <laughs> nope. Yeah. So let's talk about why you went into practice. Yeah. So I I think like many people, my my first um kind of reason was flexibility and it was my family and wanting to be able to show up in a different way i think i also started realizing that the way i operate and who i am like i'm a very creative person i like being able to do do things my own way um i think i i think i needed to do private practice i needed the space to expand and take up space in a way that didn't feel like i was operating under someone else's parameters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so how did you first start I started off in group practice um, as an independent contractor, um, and I did that for a year. And along the way, I worked on um, setting up the structure to launch my my own practice. And then eventually, when I left the independent contracting arrangement, I officially launched my practice, which was in August of 2022. Yeah. When we talk about, okay, let's just talk about the independent contractor thing. One of the things that we teach in business school is that if you are an independent contractor, you already have your own business because technically Mm -hmm. the business is, is hiring another business, whether that be a sole prop LLC or an S corp to take overflow or to support in their business in some way. Now, Mm -hmm. every state has different laws about this. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm pretty, my stance is like at a federal level, it's pretty hard to have therapists be contractors and pass the federal test, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people do it. So when you started as an independent contractor, did you realize you had your own business already? I did not. (laughs) And I wish that I did, but I will say that it became clear to me probably about halfway through. And once it did, I think I started moving differently and um, yeah, operating differently. And I also probably started being treated a little bit differently too once I realized like wait a minute you can't call all the shots I am my own thing yes yeah I think if you're a group practice owner listening I think this is really important to remember of how you treat 
An independent contractor is different than an employee. That Again, that's why that federal test is there. You can't yeah. regulate the schedule. You can't tell them how to do their work. Mm -hmm. You can't, um, you know, you can't have the oversight you can with an employee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, I would also add that it would have, for, from my perspective, it could have been helpful to know that I was, a, I was already a business, even just in terms of the confidence and the boost of like, wait a mm -hmm. minute, like I am doing this which then probably would have led me to realize sooner, like you can also do it on your own because you are already doing it. But then yeah. one really practical piece that I think of is something I would have done differently. I would have had a business account, right? Which probably is like the most obvious basic step, but mm -hmm. I was acting like an employee and treating the way I was being paid as an employee. So mm -hmm. even though I was doing the things like setting aside taxes, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera, I never had a business account. And once mm -hmm. I had transitioned into um, opening my practice and it was in the same um, tax year, if you will, I had, as I was doing bookkeeping and stuff, I was like, man, I wish I had a business account from day one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when, what, <laughs> I guess, why not be an employee? Why this route of doing it yourself? You said like you you wanted to do things your own way. What does mm -hmm. that really mean for you, though? Yeah, um, I think I'm, I'm naturally a leader. And there are some places that embrace that and want that. And that's fine, all well and good. Um, I actually feel like I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a person of faith. And so I'll speak from that perspective that I feel like God led me to be pushed out into what I would call the deep. I would say that I never imagined myself being my, a, a private practice owner. Um, it's just not something that I aspire to. I think I always envisioned being an employee. And I think part of that is because of my own life experiences. I didn't know that I could do something like on my own and I've never seen it done before. And so why, why did I uh, eventually choose it is partly because it chose me, but mm -hmm. also I think, I think another piece of it was just this aspect of realizing that it's not that it's not as difficult as I thought it would be, and that there were supports and ways that I could go about doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, but I want to come back to the the real point I wanted to make there was coming back to the leadership piece. So even though yes, I'm a natural leader and I like creating, I've been an employee even outside of like um private the private practice sector, right? right. Like I was. Um, a, in the university college counseling sector, right? And one of the things that really um, started to get to me was being red taped, if you will, around certain things I wanted to create. Like people would celebrate it and, and love it, but then if there were certain, certain people who were higher up that didn't approve, then it wasn't going to happen. And then beyond that, I had to ask myself, like, wait a minute, I'm creating for somebody else. Why would I do that? Like that is something that really got under my skin. Now, mm -hmm. for, for some people, that, that may not bother them. They, they find right. a sense of purpose in something like that. And I, I did too, but I think as a Black woman and mm -hmm. as someone trying to leave a legacy for my family, um, I had to start getting smart about who I was going to sell, like who I was going to give these things to for basically mm -hmm. for free, right? I, I started thinking about my intellectual property, my creative property, mm -hmm. and I had to ask myself the question of, literally like why would i like keep giving these things away just for mm -hmm. a, a, a a fixed salary when i could monetize them myself and 
get and have that creativity rewarded and still be able to give freely in the ways that I want to. I'm not saying that everything is about capital, but I didn't start a business to be poor either. <laughs> right. And also if you're changing the legacy, right. Let's talk a little bit yeah. about that. Right. We've right. talked about when it came to setting your fee and um, you work with women of color, mm-hmm. particularly black women mm-hmm. and pre perinatal or pre prenatal and perinatal. Well, all both of are, that. Both are true. Yeah. <laughs> perinatal is all in <laughs> Yes. Um, not just the prenatal. So in terms of one, let's talk about what it took to set your fee and what are some of the things you went through that mm-hmm. are unique to your experience? Yeah. Um, who? Some of the things I went through were a lot of assumptions, right? I took my own life experience and this is not something that I would ever do. I, I wasn't, I would imagine I would never do this in a room with a client, right? I would not want to project my experience onto my client, right? I think we're very clear about that as therapists. We're trained not to do that. Yes, uh, transference and counter-transference are real, but somehow when it came to fee setting, I did a lot of projecting my own experience on on the basis of my identities um, on my clients. So I started thinking things like, how could my community afford this? Or my community is never going to want to see me. I'm going to have to take insurance in order to be accessible, et cetera, et cetera. But having the Zinni community help me test that um, a lot and to challenge those assumptions um, because there were other, there was, um, and I remember one clear moment in the Zinni community um, in the group, it was a breakout group of therapists of color in Zinni. And I've, I posted in that section and shared what I was feeling and thinking, like the head trash that was coming up around fee setting. And I had a, another black um, identified female challenge me and say, this is an assumption and it's actually a really harmful one. And so when I began to think about the ways that what I was assuming could be harmful mm. and even how I would feel if someone was projecting onto me that I can't afford X, Y, Z, I'm doing this because you are quote, maybe a charity case or like mm-hmm. whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. I would feel a way about that. And, and mm-hmm. so... I'm not saying all of those things to say that accessibility is not a real challenge, but I didn't want to work out my issue and my fee. And so one of the things I've said often and throughout Zenny Me, um, and that I'll say again is I got to the point where I realized that my my fee is not a feelings decision, it's a business decision. But it took a lot of work to move past the feelings. And so that was some of the emotional work of it. But then the logical, like practical work of it was doing the lessons in Zenny Me and like how yeah. do you all coach us and then thinking, um, looking at the numbers, period, yeah. right? When you look at the math, is math. right, the, ma- the math was mathing, period. This was a case where <laughs> it was mathing. And I said, okay, yes. I didn't like the fee that it's the, the, the fee calculator spit out at first. I did not like it and I did not want to do it. Um, and I, but Y'all helped me move past the feeling part of that and say, okay, you don't have to do that, but what are some other ways you are going to, um, other services you're going to offer that then allows you to adjust the fee? We're not going to adjust the fee based on your feeling, but we can adjust the fee based on what else you're willing to do. And so, because yeah, you can't tell your mortgage stuff. company, I don't feel like it. <laughs> right, right. You can't tell your loans, I don't feel like it. You can't tell yeah. the electric bill. I don't feel I that that's could, fair. <laughs> I know, right? So do I. But I think, I think you bring up some beautiful things that only like you can understand, and that I cannot in terms of that how those things can be harmful to mm-hmm. your community 
and, yeah. and how your own healing comes in, into play, like mm-hmm. undoing some of that internalized oppressive stuff yes. also p- plays into the fee. It's not there there's math. And then there's all the other gunk that's attached that you've, you've got to work through. And there are people, I think, surrounding yourself with other people yes. that are invested in that, that care about that to have mm-hmm. a colleague say to you, Hey, let's talk about what this really looks like and what you're doing is really important. And that building your practice in isolation, you would miss out on some of those things, oh, right? Definitely. And you would, de- you would replicate the harm mm-hmm. done to you in your practice. Yeah. You'd be surprised at the, how much permission you think it's just giving yourself permission, but it's really giving other people permission too. And some people don't want the permission. Some people like push it away and are like, going to project their stuff on you and get mad at you for charging what you charge. But there are other people, like other colleagues that I've shared with, that I can see that knowing my fee and being able to state it freely and talk to them about why it is the way it is, it freed them to think about, oh, actually, how can I mm-hmm. better serve my business? And how can mm-hmm. I better serve my clients? Yeah, there was, a, I, you were on a success panel with us when I was last week. Um, and if you're listening to this, it wasn't last week, of course, <laughs> but we had a success mm-hmm. panel. And I remember a lot of people were asking about what your fee was. And a lot of people were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You yes. know, you, and you work with black women who are having babies and like mm-hmm. all these things and whoa, whoa. And you handled it with such grace, but also clarity. Do you remember mm-hmm. how you handled that and what you said? I remember bits of it and I appreciate that feedback because I didn't I didn't know I handled it with grace, but I appreciate that. So yeah. one of the things I said, somebody asked something like, How do you justify that fee to clients? Yeah. And I remember saying, I don't justify my fee to my clients because it's a business decision. And I think part of what I meant by that is I I'm not forcing them to choose me as their therapist. Yeah. In fact, when I do consultations, I will say that that word grace comes up um for me in this moment because I think I'm incredibly gracious in saying to clients, I may not be the right fit for you. And financial a financial fit is a part of fit as well. Yes. And so mm-hmm. I try to give what I what I also responded with was giving quality referrals, not just, well, boom, 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 I did a quick a quick search and here here are whatever people. I try to make connections with people based on what the client shared with me and say, here are some great fit here are some um referrals that I think could be a good fit because you mentioned this, this, and this. So I'm still mm-hmm. giving them something, but yeah. I'm not going to justify what my business needs to a client. Um, I don't justify it to my own feelings. I justify <laughs> yeah. it based on what the business needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. And well, when I say like you handle it with grace, some people, like I've seen a, a shift in you where some people can get defensive like, well, mm. you know, but there was no need to be defensive. It was just sort of like, mm-hmm. it was kind, but frank, <laughs> you yeah. know, of like here, you know, instead of getting caught up in the, you could have taken a moment, Kadisha, and I've seen it happen where people then start doubting themselves and questioning, yep. and then they get caught up in the other person's mire of, yep. you know, stuff happening, but mm-hmm. instead to just like kind of gently float above it and be mm. honest about it, like it's it's a, it's growth, you know, in in you. Yeah. You are so right. Because there was a time that I would have defended it and I would have felt it. And I don't remember 
I actually remember feeling calm and peaceful in that yeah. moment. Like, oh, wow, people are asking this. And in fact, I even remember saying to y'all, people are sending me private messages about this. Yeah. Can I share a little yeah. bit more? And in the yeah. past, I probably would not have done that. Right, exactly. You're like, let's lean in. Yeah. Let's embrace this. Let's have a real conversation, which is yeah. important. And why I'm so glad that we're doing this podcast too, because I think there's already so many golden nuggets here that anyone listening, whether group practice starting or building a solo practice can mm -hmm. learn from of, of really what it means to heal through your business mm. and to shift the <laughs> legacy, right? Um, let's talk a little bit about your niche and, and landing in, in the world of Christian counseling in the world of serving black women. What was that journey like to come to that niche? The journey of serving black women and moms was always part of the plan. That was a, a given and it was an easy one. Um, I shouldn't say an easy one, but it, it felt natural. Um, it felt like this is what I wanted. This is who I, these are the, the people that I know I am called to. The journey to Christian counseling, however, did not feel like that. And I felt like it happened by an accident at first. But then I was like, Kadisha, come on, do you really believe in accidents? Like, you really think that was an accident? Mm -hmm. And so really the journey to embracing my niche as a um, Christian counselor as well, for me, was about a journey to coming home to myself, right? Mm -hmm. And being willing to show up as myself because there's somebody out there who wants that Kadisha and needs that Kadisha. And some of it was that my clients pushed me into it. And I was so surprised by that. Like I've had clients who wanted to pray in session and or see my credentials. Even when I wasn't advertising myself as a Christian counselor, they see what my degree and my background is in. And they're like, oh, I chose mm -hmm. you because of this. And I want, I want, I want that part of you. And so um, I, I realized that part of me embracing that niche was not, um, out of fear or my own stuff, some of it was stuff that was projected onto me. So like I said, I used to be in a different, um, I wasn't in private practice. I was a therapist in, in more like a community setting, right? And I remember where it wasn't, it didn't feel safe to be who I was as a Christian. And it didn't feel, it felt like it was only embraced as like this cool intellectual diversity piece and not something mm. that truly had power that I could be free to walk in. And now, because I am on my own and I'm my own boss, I I allow myself to explore that ethically, yes, but I allow myself to explore it and show up as my full self without feeling like, oh, so-and-so is going to watch this. I think about my training when I was in training and being taped. So-and-so is going to watch this tape and be thinking, what, what in the world is Kadisha doing? You can't do that. Actually, the client told me this is what they want to do, and I would be wrong to not go there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. Niche is coming home to yourself. Honestly, mm. it was an embracing of all parts of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you, you said honesty was? Honestly, mm -hmm. what I see, what I saw happening is you coming home to yourself and embracing mm -hmm. all of you. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, I embrace my blackness. I mm -hmm. embrace my, my role as parent and mm -hmm. all of these things and and being a woman mm -hmm. okay but what about this other part right and right. like and then well how can I do that here but not here and then starting to learn that it's the same process you know yeah. and it's all of you being brought in and another pivot point in that was 
one time when I was when I was under supervision, my supervisor, I told her that I would never want to use the words Christian counselor to describe myself. Ha ha, right? Uh-huh. If you look at my website, you'd be like, Wow, really? <laughs> but I remember she, um she challenged me on that and she was like, Oh, so if you could speak Spanish, would you tell your clients you can't speak Spanish? And I said, No. And she was like, So you don't want to share this other language that you have or that you have in common with certain clients. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. That'll hit you over the head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. What a beautiful, like, um, demonstration. Paradigm shift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. So there's been times when you've wanted to be like, I'm out, I'm over mm-hmm. this. <laughs> mm-hmm. You mean yesterday or this morning? (laughs) (laughs) What? You're successful. You should not ever want to leave it, right? (laughs) I think think it's really important to discuss about when you have these wins, right? Like the money stuff, the niche stuff, getting the phone ringing stuff and everything. There's Mm -hmm. still going to be moments. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you have a multi-location, especially when you have multi-location. I've seen our clients Mm -hmm. with multiple locations and, you know, 50 staff and all of this, there's going to be some times when you want to throw in the towel. So what is it, what has that been like for you when you've come up to those moments and what has brought you to the other side of them? It's been frustrating when I'm in those moments and sometimes it feels, hmm, yeah, I think the the words that come to mind are frustrated and annoying. And I think the reason I say frustrated and annoying is because even in those moments, I think there's already some part of me that has a knowing that this is a moment and you feel like you want to quit, but you know you're not going to quit and you know that you can't quit. I mean, you can, but you know that you can't because there's a greater why for you. And so I think the word frustrating and annoying comes to mind because I know that it is a moment, even if it feels like it's way more than a moment, Mm. that there's a knowing deep down inside of me that there's something on the other side of this and you're going to have to get beyond it. And so it's like, I'm, it's like the jokes on me and it's like, okay, like I'm sitting here entertaining this quitting fantasy, which is what I call it. Like I have so many quitting fantasies. Um, And so what helps me get to the other side is naming what they are, right? And so being in the community, um, being in, and my, Zenny Me is a a, a one of, I would say about 90% or maybe even 95% of where I find myself um, having community and private practice. So um, I post a lot and even that is a, a victory, right? Because I didn't used to post or felt afraid to post, but now I post a lot and I share what my quitting fantasies are and I let people speak to them. Um, and I let the, their questions and their comments bring me to a place of reflection. Um, and then, the, I mean, and, and the fact that it's just a moment, it, I go past it and knowing the, the more I want to quit, the more I'm able to get to the other side of it because I, I learn and I get stronger at traversing that feeling of I want to quit mm-hmm. it doesn't I go think, away yeah I think for me it's a flag of nervous system dysregulation mm. that there is a part of me that I'm not giving voice to kind of mm. like what you're saying in terms of like you have to speak it for other people to reflect back yes. you know like either there's an emotion in my heart that's not being given a voice there's feelings in my body that are, I'm not acknowledging there's like a pool that in my 
my spirit, or mm-hmm. there's like thoughts, you know, and they all deserve attention and care. And mm-hmm. when I'm too heavily, like in my mind space and yeah. I'm not fully integrated, that's usually where those things happen. And so having community to hold a container a little bit for you to help that nervous system regulation mm-hmm. helps you kind of come off of the ledge a bit, yeah. right? And go back to, oh, that centered truth and knowing, you know, that's more balanced within you. Yes. I smile because even sometimes like when you respond, and I mean, it's happened so many moments, even throughout this moment, I was talking right now, but you have such this, you often come, approach coaching with us. I don't know how, how, what your perspective of it is. My my pers- um, experience of you yeah. is that you have such this calm energy. You could be saying something so profound and almost like, I don't know, like it will really open me up, right? But you will be so calm when you're saying it that I'm like, wow, did I just do a meditation? Or like, there's something about <laughs> talking to you that, that it, it makes me reflective myself and it helps me to tap into what, what that part of myself yeah. so that I can then regulate. Yeah. Cause I, well, I don't believe coaching is me telling you what to do. I right. feel like you already know what you need to do. Right. Yes. I, my coaching is to give some tools, some like practical perspective of like, okay, over the 12, whatever years, 13 years of doing this and thousands of examples, this is the trend. Does that mean you have to do it? No, but I think within you, you can kind of, it's helping you dig deeper into mm-hmm. your own wisdom and compass, but you and I have a unique connection. There's something <laughs> that, that's kind of uh, like on a very, world? yeah, a very spiritual <laughs> quantum level. Um, funny things happen between us, which <laughs> I really delight in. And I think too, of yeah, that calming energy is because I don't think it's going to be helpful to join in the spin, you know, mm-hmm. of like, how can I help you spin a little more slowly, you know, like kind of putting some boundaries on the spin and and y'all can't see my hands if you're listening to the podcast, but I'm kind of like giving it a hug and slowly, Mm -hmm. you know, bringing it in. Um, yeah, Yeah. I, I just appreciate that you're honest about those things and that Mm. the more we are honest about it, the more we normalize the process of building a practice. And Mm. I, the process, yeah, it's a it's a journey, right? This idea of like I'm going to arrive is hilarious because you're not. You're always, mm. and especially if you're someone like Kadisha, you're always going to be wanting to create something else, mm-hmm. new, and add on, you know. But I think the point of this podcast, people could just say, "Well, I want to hear like all the big wins," but you can't have the wins without the journey and the path. Mm-hmm. And it's important that we're honest. Too many times, and I've gone through, I mean, doing this as long as I have, I've seen people and how they market, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, practice building and stuff. And I see these ebbs and flows in the industry. When we first, when we first started marketing, I remember people being like, you're focused on making money. And it was just this awful Mm. thing. And then it became okay to talk about money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then it became about talking about the wrong things about money, which is just like, Hey, I made six figures. And it's like, yeah, but are you happy? Are you balanced? Like, and at what cost, you know, can we do it in Mm -hmm. a way that's like more balanced? And so just even talking about like the struggle that you have, if you're finding your way back to balance, that's going to walk with you through this entire journey so that you have the longevity without the burnout, you know, in, mm-hmm. in practice. Um, yeah. So I look forward to having you back on the podcast in a few years and seeing like, 
okay, what's another few years of this? What does it look like? Where has it gone? Especially with wanting to, I mean, you're not just doing the, I'm licensed in multiple states. We're talking countries. And so it's going to be, oh, it's going to be so fun. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for Ghana to get Kadisha. Um, and and for you to bring that there too. It's going to be a really cool journey. Um, so if anyone's listening about starting a practice that they're starting or they want to leave the group practice they're in um, or they're just wanting to do this in a way that allows them to shine because that's one of the things why I'm glad to have you on here is that I love about you is that you show up as yourself and that you work through stuff and you continue to align and be as authentic uh, you know, like who you are right now is who you're going to get in the room <laughs> mm -hmm. with your therapist. Mm -hmm. So what's one thing that you want to encourage therapists listening right now about stepping into private practice? I would say trust yourself and trust what's in you. Um, clearly, if you're a therapist, you've already had to navigate multiple different um, challenges and different life moments, right? Whether that's your degree program or life experiences, there's something in you that allowed you to get through those moments. And so I think you have to know yourself, trust yourself and trust what's in you so that you can be able to have the courage to launch out into what I call the deep. <laughs> mm, the deep. I love swimming in the deep with you. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for I having me. I have so me. much love for you and appreciation for you and how you show up and how you share. So if you're listening to this, I hope you know just how amazing this podcast was and how special it is to get some time with Kadisha. And if you need more support, we're here for you. So we'll see you next time in the next episode. And until then, take care and build a practice that you love that allows you to have a life you love too. We'll see you next time. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.